0: Be good. Ha,
1: <laughs> <laughs> ha, friends, welcome back to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is Andrew. I'm here in my little van with my wife Tiffany and our little dog Pele. And we're currently in Calgary, Canada. Heading south, back to the lower 48 states for the first time in two months. We're kind of excited to get back down south. Um, but we're a little, little sad to be leaving Canada because Canada's awesome. And we're extra sad to be leaving Canada because it's on fire There are fires everywhere. Um, We've been very, very fortunate to not actually encounter any fire. We've just been around a lot of smoke, which is uh, honestly no big deal. I'll take smoke any day over actual fire, but uh, our our hearts go out to all those people out there who are actually displaced and suffering losses from these fires. And kind of everybody suffers losses from some of these fires because... Burns up some pretty gorgeous countryside. So if, uh, if you can reach out somewhere, I mean, there are just fires all over the western part of North America. Um, I'm sure there are tons of relief organizations out there for you to support if that's your thing. Take a look. Uh, think about it. There's some people out here suffering. But uh, I want to get right to our guest today. Her name is Amber Vasca. Now, Amber came to us through a patron patreon supporter who I'll tell you all about in a minute but the gentleman who supported us uh, his name is James and he's a chiropractor in Fairbanks and a sweetheart and a great guy who declined to be on the show but um, very very happy that his wife was an incredibly interesting lady did not decline Amber James's wife is uh, first and foremost a mom and a damn good one we met her son Dominic, he's an adorable little guy, full of energy, hilarious. Uh, we had a great time with them. Um, and Amber, she fed us, which is amazing, and then um, you know, had worked all day, wasn't necessarily planning on having company, much less being on a show. I think she had a sore throat and wasn't feeling great. I know she was tired. She needed to get the kid to bed, but she agreed to come talk to us in the van, which I, I'm so grateful for. And I'm glad she did because she has an insight into something I've been very curious about. She's the executive assistant of the Tienena Chiefs Conference, which is a nonprofit organization for about 42 different communities in interior Alaska. Um, She's got deep insight into native culture, and she herself is uh, of the Yupik people. She's an Eskimo, and she competes in WIO, which are the World Eskimo Indian Olympics, and she'll tell you all about it, but... She probably wouldn't say so herself, but I'll say it. She's a badass. She's like uh, a total badass. So uh, yeah, you'll hear about that in just a second. And uh, uh, before I go too much further, I want to say this was our last Alaskan episode. Uh, Everything from here on out is people from somewhere else. But uh, we had such a great time in Alaska. We're so thankful for everyone who... Hosted us and was kind to us and just chatted with us. And we met some really cool people, uh, particularly in Fairbanks. We met a guy named James, who I told you about. We met Gary, who was on last week's episode. He was very kind to us. And Nate, who I did not get on the podcast, and I regret that. I wish I would have spent more time with Nate and Salcha. I just want to say thanks. Big shout out to Nate, who is uh, opening up a little campground in his place. And as soon as he gets a name... (laughs) For that campground i'll share it with you i personally vote for camp atwood but uh that's just my vote nate much love thanks man okay um a couple things here thanks for leaving those reviews on itunes you can do the same thing on stitcher which i just found out uh reviews are super helpful helps people find us um it's and it just lets me know that i'm not alone out there and that tiffany and i are not just talking to ourselves when we're doing this thing Let's me know there's people listening. That's nice. Uh, If you want to follow along with where we've been and what we've been doing, go to our website, mtp.dog. Write a little journal in there on the journal tab. And we have a route map, which I know sometimes it doesn't pull up very quickly. You need kind of a fast internet connection. If you've got any insights into how I could make that better, feel free to drop us a line on the contact tab in our website. And last but not least, if you are interested in supporting the show monetarily, you can do so via patreon.com forward slash monkeytooth, where we are gladly uh, accepting patrons for as little as 25 cents per episode, which ain't a whole lot of cash. It's like 12 bucks a year. I'm uh, happy to say we've gotten a lot of support. We're looking forward to more. That's all I'm going to say about that. I want to get right into today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Tell your friends. Much love. Bye bye.
2: Any words? Any words. Um, I've lived in Alaska my whole life. I've grew up everywhere. I've been a lot of places, including Barrow. Uh, I've been Barrow. Where's Barrow? Barrow is the northernmost place in Alaska, and I've also been to the northernmost point. In I wonder if it's in North America. It could be just in America, but it's called Point Barrow. So I went there for a basketball tournament my sophomore year, and we flew in, and it was seventy below zero. Seventy. <laughs>
1: seventy below zero. Oh it, my god!
2: It was freezing. Oh. Um. They basically just ran their cars all night long. <laughs> yeah. So we went there for a basketball tournament, and one of the kids on the boys' team, his dad was at Search and Rescue in Barrow, so they brought us out in helicopters to Point Barrow, and of course the boys took off their shirts and took a picture at 70 Below at Point Barrow.
0: Oh, my God.
2: The girls maintain their integrity. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Stupid double standards. <laughs> They're in every culture. (laughs) 70 below. Sweet. I can't even... I have no concept of what that's like.
2: Once it's colder than 40 below, it just feels all the same. It's just all really cold. I
1: can't picture 40 below. (laughs) I've never seen it. Like, I I just can't even get my head around
2: it. You basically go from your house to your car, to your car directly inside. Yeah. You don't spend any... Stroll outside. <laughs> no, no.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I just made like I can't feel my toes all of a sudden I'm just thinking about it. So, uh, your name, what's your last name? Do you guys have a same? Did you take a
2: no? I have my maiden name. So right. I'm Amber Vasca.
1: Vasca? Mm-hmm. V A S C A? K A. V A S K A.
2: Yep. Vasca in Italian is actually a word for bathtub, I learned when I took Italian. (laughs) Vasca. Is it
1: Italian? Your last name's Italian? No.
2: Um, I believe it has Russian origins. I don't know what it means in Russia. But um, a lot of the last names here in Alaska, at least in the native community, come from Russia. Because Russia was here in Alaska prior to the Uh, United States.
1: Yeah. And it it may get sold back at some point. We'll see (laughs) what happens with this administration. You
2: never know.
1: (laughs) You were born with Amber. That's your given name. Do you have like a a tribal name? Does everybody get one of those or is that something white people think?
2: (laughs) No, everyone does get a native name, but my parents just didn't give me one. What? My son Dominic has one. What's that? I don't know what. It is. <laughs> that's how native I am. <laughs>
1: this is a great podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by the van. We're just gonna turn off
0: the. Mic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that's perfect. I mean, can we just call him doesn't know his name or something like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't know his name. Wow. So, so you didn't get one, and you don't know his. Yeah, That's so perfect. the Native
2: tradition is um, when someone in your family dies, the next person to have a kid is named after that person. So in that tradition, um, my uncle Ron died the year he was born. So his middle name is Ron. Okay. So, and I was thankful I was a boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I really didn't like any of the Ron girl names yeah i mean there's rhonda
1: rhonda yeah i mean that's kind of a hip name rhonda is a powerful name like yeah yeah but dominic ron Vasca is he a Vasca? he's
2: he has his dad's name so it's carpluck carpluck mm-hmm.
1: that's a pretty hip name it's a book writer name dominic carpluck
2: yeah
1: i almost want to call him dominic Rhonda carpluck <laughs> that'd be too much uh, sweet kid. Thank you so much for having us over. You just cooked us a beautiful meal. Mm-hmm. Those cupcakes, can you tell me what's in them
0: again?
2: The cupcakes had blueberries we picked here in Fairbanks last year because I'm trying to get rid of those still. <laughs> <You> go, <laughs> go through those. Um, and then the frosting was cream cheese and butter. and mm-hmm. It was really good.
1: So good. So good. <laughs> I can just, I, I just see... Like a full tray of them in my head right now, getting smaller and smaller. By the time we get out there, <laughs> by the time we get back, they're all going to be gone. That's yeah.
2: why we make them when we have guests. Yeah, that's so smart. That. Otherwise, if I make any sweets, half of them goes either to my job or half of them goes to James's job. Yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: that's smart. That's smart. Okay, so other than the fact that you're a very gracious host and have been very kind to Tiffany and Paley and I, I wanted to talk to you because... You are the first Native person that agreed to sit down with me. <laughs> so, and no, and talking to, to James, I mean, he was very, um, I mean, clearly loves you crazy. And uh, he's proud of the work that you do. Mm-hmm. And um, I am not smart enough to remember all the many things <laughs> that you do. So if, would you mind telling me what all you do?
2: Um. Well, he probably spoke about me doing the native games mostly so i've been participating in the games since fifth grade so that's probably about 20 years now um and the native games were played in memoriam so they've been passed down generation through generation from um just stories and they used to play them in the wintertime because in Alaska, we don't have a lot of light in the wintertime and we need some sort of entertainment. So the best thing to do is to get everyone in the village to come together and play some games. Um, and it was also a good way to keep in shape. Uh, a lot of the games were made to, some of them were made to be played in very small spaces. So you can, uh, specifically like the Alaskan High Kick you can be in a room because you're basically starting on the ground, kicking straight up and then kicking, coming straight down. So you don't need a lot of running room like some of the other kicks.
1: Yeah. And that's, is that with both feet?
2: That, the Alaskan high kick, you're holding, you have one arm on the ground, one leg on the ground, and you're holding one foot with your other arm. <laughs> And you're Whoa. kicking up, and the guys can go vertical, so they're basically in like a one arm handstand.
1: Whoa, <clears throat> that's crazy! Yeah, that's really cool. I want to see that. We got to watch some YouTube videos. This You'll time.
2: have to see YouTube because I'm not great. You're not at gonna that. show,
1: <laughs> yeah, you could show me that in the van. It's perfect. Just the right... You could kick a hole in the ceiling. I <laughs> can
2: kick the ceiling. Yeah. You could definitely. Now,
1: you showed me a video of yourself doing the two footed high kick. Was that what it's called?
2: Yep. So the two-foot high kick, you jump off of two feet, kick a fur ball with two feet, and land with two feet, and Mm -hmm. you have to show balance. Um, So that game was traditionally played because when the hunters went out as a group, if they had a successful or an unsuccessful hunt, um, they would send a messenger back close enough to the village where they're in eyesight, and they would either kick up with one foot or with two foot. So I don't know what means what, (laughs) but it was to signal a successful hunt. So if it was a successful hunt, more villagers would go help cut it up and bring it back to the village. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I was wondering,
1: like, well, why couldn't they just bring back nothing and everybody knows it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they could just bring i'm assuming both meant right. successful hunt because yeah. you wouldn't send someone to go kick just right. to go home just go kick in the air that's
1: great i love that i love that picture of somebody just gleefully kicking with both feet like get up here help us this thing is huge <laughs> Yeah,
2: we've got a ton of shit
1: up here get up here help. that's a really nice way to say it mm-hmm Okay, so how many events are you competing in personally?
2: Uh, I competed in every single event except two this year, actually. Whoa. Which I think is around 10. So let me go day by day. Yeah. <laughs> um, if
1: you need extra fingers. <laughs> <I'll> just...
2: <laughs> so on the first day I did, so WIO is four days long. So it starts on Wednesday and it's the third week of July each year here in Fairbanks. And the first day I did kneel jump, scissor broad jump, which is switched out with toe kick um, every other year, uh, one arm reach. And then they do a whole bunch of strength games at night, but those are for the men. So they do four-man carry, and that's carrying 600 pounds, so I can't really do that. Oh. You can ask the men... To participate with them, but I wasn't even going to try. Six hundred is a lot bit, of pounds. a yeah. little bit too much for me. Wow. On the next day, we did Alas. Oh, and then there's also Race of the Torch, which is just a five k run. The next day was Alaskan high kick, Eskimo stick pull, and then there was Indian stick pull, two foot high kick. Um. And then swing kick, one foot high kick, head pull.
1: What is the head pull?
2: So the head pull, um, I forgot what animal it mimics, but I feel like it mimics a walrus because that's what I feel like. (laughs) So the head pull, you're like in push-up position and you have a sinew strap between you and your competitor and you're looking at each other. And the object of the game is to either pull the strap off of their head or pull them back a cr- like,
1: Whoa, like
2: a foot and a half ho- or two feet.
1: Tug of war with your tug of head. Tug a war
2: with your head. Whoa. The first time I tried it, um, my best friend Erica, she was like, I heard people pass out at that game. And I was like, no, they wouldn't really do it. The first time I tried it, I was getting stars <laughs> and I was almost passed out. <laughs> and so, I was like, maybe if I just sit here, I won't pass out. But I was like, this is not getting better. <laughs> oh my god. And then one time I felt like my ear was getting ripped off.
1: <laughs> so you've got your neck back? Like you've yep. got your
2: whoa. So you're in push up position. And you're and trying you, to
1: walk backwards.
2: And you're sort of um straddled like when you're in wrestling, you have your hips down
0: mm-hmm.
2: to kind of get your weight more Behind down you. towards your hips yeah. so it's not all in your arms, and you just pull them back. Wow. <laughs> so how
1: would you do this year? Did you kick butt?
2: I won one round, yeah. and it's uh, double elimination, so I lost the other two. Wow. But one person I lost to place, so... All I always right. give myself kudos if yeah. I lose to the people who are placing <laughs> the, the, in strength true. games <laughs> yeah, yeah. keep on pushing
0: keep on pushing I've got to keep on pushing mm-hmm. I can't stop now move up Somehow Cause I've got my strength and it don't make sense not to keep on pushing hey, hallelujah.
1: hallelujah So in all the games that you competed in though the different events, you you placed in a bunch of them, though, didn't you?
2: Yep, I placed in three of them this year. So I placed in kneel jump, scissor broad jump, and two-foot high kick.
1: So what's the kneel jump?
2: The kneel jump is you start on your feet, and you have three chances to jump as far as you can and land on your feet. Um, the record for women is 55 and a half inches, and I've jumped 55 and a quarter. What? In competition one year. Um, So I was only a quarter off. And I haven't jumped that far in competition since. But it's a game about having fast reflexes. Mm -hmm. So if you're cutting up a kill. And something comes up behind you. You're on your knees. You need to get to your feet as fast as you you can. Or if you're ice fishing. And the ice breaks apparently you can jump to your feet before you're in the water i just noticed that sounds really dumb <laughs> but i tell that story each time <laughs> i'm
1: prepared to believe it i'm just the kind of guy to tell it to it's fine That's...
0: <laughs>
2: we just have like super strength yeah we're we're like oh the ice breaks breaking <laughs>
1: And then there's the scissor jump kick.
2: Scissor broad jump.
1: Scissor broad jump.
2: So that's similar to the track and field triple jump. Oh, okay. So you start standing. You don't get a running start. And you jump to one foot. And then you scissor one foot behind that. And then jump to one foot. And then you land onto to two feet. And that one was, again, to have reflexes and quickness. So if you're jumping across icebergs when you're out hunting on the ice, you gotta be fast before it gets into the water. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god. So everything is tethered to either hunting or strength uh, necessary for cleaning a hunt or don't, or pain tolerance. Pain tolerance. Now tell me about that event. What is that?
2: Um so one of the pain tolerance events is ear pull. So, you have a string, a (laughs) sinew. There's multiple ear games, too. Oh, my God. And you put it behind your ear in the competitor's ear, and you just pull straight back.
1: And whoever flinches and gives up first. So,
2: whoever it comes off of the ear uh, loses. So, um... That game was made because when you're in forty or seventy below, sometimes your ears might be not be as protective. Yeah, and you'll get frostbite, and so it's supposed to mimic frostbite. Oh, boy! All the things to mimic, like (laughs) except frostbite Frostbite doesn't really like it's a nasty game. People will tear the back of their ears open. Oh
1: my god! What are the prizes?
2: A medal. Yeah. <laughs>
1: bragging rights. And bragging the, rights.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: feel free to continue. I want you to brag
2: oh, as so much as you can. You do get bragging rights. So, back in the day, one of the strength games was called the arm pull. And so, you sit across from each other and you base it's like arm wrestling, but you intertwine your arms and you pull back. And you're trying to make the other person's arm straight or pull them over. Okay. And so it was basically to see who was the strongest person in the village. Yeah. And, and that we, person. Yeah. So around. we switched yeah. that in wheel. This year we did head pull and next year we'll do arm.
1: pull. Okay. Got it. Got it. Wow. <laughs> That's an incredible thing. I just, so like, I don't know, a few days before meeting you the very first time I even heard of the, of the native games. Like I just, I'd never even heard of it. And I, to my, you know, uh, defense. I'm from the South, and there's a lot of things I've not heard of. <laughs> a great number of things I've not heard of. But as soon as the uh, the person told me about it, told me about an event called the, was it Blanket Toss? Yes. That sounded incredibly fun. And like, I mean, I, I know there's a spirit of competition. People are trying to win, but it also seems like less about just defeating your enemy than it is about like
2: <laughs> your enemy. Well, yeah, yeah, like you're not trying to
1: defeat your opponent necessarily as you are just trying to be the best that you can be. That seemed yep. like the the whole premise behind is that
2: So the whole premise is sportsmanship mm. over winning the goal. Okay. So um you know, you really want your competitors to do their best as well as you do your best because mm-hmm. back in the day when you were in the village you relied on the whole community to be yeah. successful yeah. so it wasn't there wasn't only one good hunter in the community and you're like yeah, yeah. go get those moose for us it was all the hunters had to be good yeah. hunters yeah. so it's all it's about making sure everyone does their best
1: at what point did it become intertribal, like or intra inter right yeah, when multiple tribes would compete with one another. <laughs> I believe that's inter. I'll be corrected in podcasting. I think lane.
2: it's inner. Yeah. Um, I think it's something that's always been inner tribal. Uh, just because I've heard stories of them going to a different community for, like, winter carnivals. Yeah. And they'll play the games and traveling to close, like, neighboring communities to do it.
1: Yeah. Even necessarily like a, a a a people or a tribe that they didn't necessarily get along with they would put that aside for the games or no? No I'd I, like
2: to say they did. Yeah, let's believe it. <laughs> let's say they did. Let's say they did. <laughs> Why not? And these games aren't only played here in Alaska, they span over to Canada and Greenland.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. Russia. And Russia. Yeah. Yep. Don't forget the Russians. <laughs> They're thinking about you right now. They want to come back
2: <laughs> to
1: Alaska. <laughs> well, that's really cool. So you've competed um, here. You've competed in Canada and in Greenland.
2: And in Greenland. You're the yep. only
1: person I know who's been to Greenland.
2: Greenland was <laughs> so really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's amazing. And it's, the land is barren, but it's so beautiful. Barren because there's just ice everywhere. Right, yeah. But yeah, that was a really cool experience, and I put my hand in the Arctic Ocean there because you have to. You have to, yeah. And it was really cold. I
1: can't imagine.
2: And I almost fell in the water because it was really muddy uh, where we were. <laughs> <oops>. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was really cool, and they're a little bit different. So we sort of have a cultural economy where they use like moose skin. And they sell beadwork and all this traditional stuff mm-hmm. to um, make their money. And they do the same thing, but they're allowed to sell seal skin there, which I don't think that's, I th- you can buy seal skin here, but you can't buy it in the store. So they had stores Whoa. filled with like seal skin boots, seal skin purses. It was so wow. cool. <laughs> it's amazing.
1: So like culturally they're, they're not, catching a bunch of shit for for hunting things that they've hunted since yeah, forever. yeah.
2: compared to here where they sort of um there was some sort of policy passed about elephant ivory mm-hmm. and it actually hurts some of the artists here in alaska because they're selling walrus ivory which when the natives are hunting here, they're using all of the animals. Sure. So yeah. every they try to utilize every single part of the animal, whether it's for food yeah. or for making something. And so it's not they're just killing a walrus. Right. Wolf. No. Absolutely. So it's a whole different game yeah. here. But that rule is affecting people. Are That's scared to buy art ivory?
1: Oh, because they don't know if it's elephant or walrus.
2: Because they're scared to bring it and people, it'll be cons- confiscated. Confiscated, yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we've seen some really amazing stuff made from uh, walrus and, I mean, just weird bones of all kinds. Yep. People make bones. some amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. We've, I mean, as soon as we got into, like, Canada, I guess we saw some in Washington as well, but, like, from Canada all the way up here, we've just seen amazing, amazing art and, like, <clears throat> very detailed craftsmanship and these tiny little knife handles or like intricate things it's just mm-hmm. it's super super cool but I, I i get it i mean people don't want to get their stuff taken because it's confused for yeah for elephant but i mean God <laughs> yeah it's uh the the wallpaper bubble game of trying to fix things around the world you push down one bubble and it pops up somewhere else yeah trouble no matter where you go speaking of trouble so you're you're Hobby is kicking stuff. You could probably jump up and kick me in the face, <laughs> which is a pretty hip hobby. But you, your work is in in native communities.
2: Yep. That's, so that's I work at the Tanana Chiefs Conference, and they're a nonprofit organization that serves the Interior forty-two communities in Alaska, which includes thirty-eight federally recognized tribes. And we provide health services, advocacy, social services, behavioral health, wellness. Um, so we provide all those services for our communities. Uh, and I specifically, so we have three departments, health, admin, and tribal government and client services. And I work We call it TCS for short because it's a really long name.
0: (laughs) Tribal
1: Client Services.
2: Yeah, so we have a lot of programs underneath us. Um, We have the social services underneath us. Uh, We have a lot of tribal government services. So um, helping tribes with tribal enrollment, um, constitutions, policies, codes, tribal courts. We also do a lot of stuff, uh, we have natural cultural resources, so we have forestry, cadastral survey, energy, so we do, there's a lot of stuff right this.
0: Waterfall, nothing can harm me at all, my worries seem so very small, but my water I can see my rainbow calling me through the sea of my waterfall. I'm
2: the executive assistant, so I work under the executive director will mayo which is really cool because he used to be a past president of tcc back in the 90s and they had a couple of big things happen so um tribal self-governance was signed and we did a compact with the bureau of indian affairs which i actually just read so uh so in this compact we provide services from the BIA for the tribes in our area but we really promote self-governance and self-determination. So we sort of have a system where if the tribes need help we'll have the finances flow through us and we'll refund them as they spend. Um, If they don't if they want to move up to the next level then we can give like part of their finances and then they'll spend and we sort of audit them and then they can move up to the level to where they're 638 so they're running the program and the finances on their own and we're here just to help tribal governments be where they want to be and provide the technical assistance for them to accomplish that
1: yeah i know nothing (laughs) about about native culture so I grew up with, uh, stories of my grandmother mm-hmm. who, uh, was Cherokee and, um, I was always proud of that, but I had no access to it. There was no, I didn't know my grandmother, she would mm-hmm. passed and no one in my family really knew anything about it and have any access to that part of our culture and our heritage. And, uh, but I always felt proud of it and like kind of felt a kinship and this sort of love for all things, native culture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I always identified with it, right? Well, along comes the genetic testing. There's not a fucking drop
0: of Indian in me.
1: That's a very long-winded way of me asking, what is happening in Alaska? And do you have any insight if it's different than what's happening in the lower 48, or is it all just sort of a continuous saga of treachery by white people? <laughs>
2: I think it's probably pretty similar. Um, They do have food just because we have a lot of subsistence hunting still. They can live off of moose hunting, caribou, salmon. So foods um, other than fresh fruit and produce and milk um, isn't as scarce as it could be. But, I mean, there's no jobs in the village. So if they want to participate in the white economy Mm -hmm. and make cash. They can't really do it because there's just no jobs. And then people are like, oh, well, they should just move to the village. I mean, move to the city, but you want them to leave their home and where their families are from. And um, here, too, they suffer from generational trauma from back when... Wasn't even that long ago in the 1940s or somewhere around there where BIA was taking kids from the home and shipping them off to the lower 48 to boarding schools or to different boarding schools here in Alaska.
1: What's BIA? Sorry.
2: Oh, Bureau of Indian Affairs. So it's just an Indian yeah. school. They had like boarding schools for natives specifically. And they weren't allowed to speak their language. They weren't allowed to sing, drum, dance, or do any of the traditional stuff. So that really hurt that generation. And then it sort of continues because you know they mm-hmm. get into alcohol and drug abuse, and the kids see that. And so yeah. it's a cycle that we're trying to fight, but mm-hmm. it's hard.
1: What I've seen in In various points in my career and in in just, I don't know, communities of all stripes, is that good intending white people show up
0: (laughs) and say, I got a great idea for what's going on with you.
1: You know, let us fix it. Here's a, and that there's a, I mean, a very uh, understandable resistance to that. Mm -hmm. You know, white people showing up saying, I'll save you. Where is that? What's going on here with that? Um, Do you notice any of that?
2: No, I mean, when I lived in Antioch, we would have a Christian group, but it was more to try to get the kids to follow (laughs) the religion itself, Um, not really help with wellness and prevention. But at TCC, we have a whole division on wellness and prevention. And so we're really trying to promote culture, In helping the communities heal and then creating an environment where they can depend on each other so they can heal, be accountable to each other um, to get over the alcohol and drug addiction. So it sort of is more of a coming from the inside rather than people forcing.
1: Yeah. Some outside force trying to influence. Yeah. Yeah. From what I, I can tell, an addiction to anything, I mean, it could be chocolate it could be <laughs> pornography it could be alcohol it's all kind of it's a a lack of something unifying and bonding and mm-hmm. a sense of purpose and meaning and belonging in the world and i can only imagine if your culture has been taken from you and there's a, a you know you don't have a job that suits you you don't have cash to participate uh That's a pretty big hole that would leave Mm -hmm. someone feeling fairly isolated and not part of everything else. Yep.
2: And then they live their lives trying to hide it. And even our elders today, some of them know how to speak the language, but just will not speak Mm. their language because they're scarred. Um,
1: Have you heard languages that you think you may never hear again?
2: Most of the languages I've heard are on the rebound. I know there's, so like Ath, we're in Athabascan country here. in Athabascan? Inter- Athabascan. Mm-hmm. I'm not Athabascan, I'm Yupik. But uh, so I've heard um, they have a ton of dialects, so I don't, and some of them are closer to dying then and then others are really strong so I'm sure that's it's like that in all the different languages mm-hmm. but one cool thing that I learned was they actually got thank you from French in Canada so in French it's merci, and here um, a lot of the different dialects thank you is mossy or bossi Yeah, so it's using the same tones, but it's a little bit different. And they actually got it from Canada. Interesting. Canadian natives even say the same. They say Mossy. So it traveled all the way where we were west. West. (laughs) we're pretty far (laughs) west.
1: (laughs) uh, Come far west. This is, uh, I think this is as far north as we're going to go. So for us, it's all downhill. We're just turning around and heading south. Uh, It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm really glad that we got to come up to Fairbanks. Mm -hmm. We didn't go to the Arctic Circle, which I I hear mixed reviews. Some people are like, ah, fuck it. Don't worry about going to the Arctic Circle. You're not missing anything. And other people say, you got to go to the Arctic Circle, man. What are you doing? Why are you not going up there? So I don't know. We're just, I think Fairbanks is our Arctic Circle. (laughs) That's our North North Pole.
2: It's a pretty rough road up to the Arctic Circle too. <laughs> yeah, I've got like
1: a jar of coffee up there, man. I gotta, <laughs> <laughs> gotta
2: be careful.
1: <laughs> Can't rattle my bananas and bruise my avocados in that rough road.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's a good environment of change in your work because I let me just in the lower 48, people mm-hmm. are pretty upset about Donald Trump, and <laughs> every social program that seems like it's going to do all right before him has got this like before and after Trump moment where they're like, Oh man, I don't know if we're going to get to continue to be okay as a group. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any of that up here? Do you are you worried about? social programs for indigenous peoples
2: yep we're just as worried as anyone else and so we have a really strong advocacy we're really strong advocators so we go to juneau we go to dc Mm -hmm. and advocate often and really it's just about if you have to change with each and evolve with each administration you just can't go with your old ways so it's really about being flexible and being able to move with the environment and we're trying to think of ways to be a little bit more Mm self-sufficient and not rely too much on federal grants just because we don't know what's gonna happen so
1: and uh, i guess more to the point of um you know we really watched in horror with what happened at standing rock and that mm-hmm. was just, a I mean, a very bitter pill to continue to swallow. Uh, mm-hmm. And that doesn't leave anybody feeling particularly hopeful unless you own an oil company or a pipeline. You know, that it, it's, yeah. it's, it's real ugly. And uh, I mean, I'm sure you pe- had people there, right? Did you have people from this area go down and... Yep. And we had, solidarity. I had
2: friends go down there.
1: What's the sense there? Like, no surprise, but...
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, no surprise. We said to try to do responsible resource development, and they didn't do it. But the one big thing here in Alaska is with the passing of the recent tax reform in it, it opened up Anwar. so the Arctic National Wilderness Refuge on the North Slope. So it opened that up to resource development, And one of the important things about that area is we have a herd of caribou called the porcupine herd. And they migrate, um, they actually migrate south enough to reach a few of our villages here in the interior, so Arctic Village and Vinatai. And then they go up north and they go to this area to have their babies. But the one thing researchers found is, if there is any human activity, that herd will have its babies elsewhere. elsewhere. So if people start to resource development, it yeah. could potentially move the way they migrate, and yeah. it could potentially cause a lot of tribes, um, their food that they relied yeah. on. So I mean,
1: among other things, I mean it's. Uh, I've always been told that um, saying Anwar is almost like a defeat. Like always say Alaskan, while uh, Alaskan Alaska National, National Wildlife, Wildlife Refuge. Refuge? Yes, <laughs> because you know to say Anwar takes away the the beauty of what the thing really is. You know, mm-hmm. and, and then makes it easier for someone to say, "Oh, well, it's just Anwar. We'll throw some well pipelines and <laughs> we'll just dig in there. Don't worry about it." So I didn't realize that it happened. That's
2: sort of like Voldemort, right? (laughs) Yeah, don't say say his name. So I didn't realize that was opened up. That's horrible news. Yep, they included that in the tax reform. So it's now going to be open. Oh, my God. Yeah. And our current... I mean, we have great congressional delegation, but they're for resource development, so...
0: Oh, God.
1: So, yeah... Are you hopeful? <laughs> what is your hope? What what do you just like that you continue to have the strength to fight or what? what?
2: Mm-hmm. To get through it. I mean, we've been through so much throughout the years yeah. and we're still here. It's about pres- pres- perseverance. I yeah, can't w- talk now. <laughs> what, what
1: are the uh, the native games for dealing with <laughs> broken treaties and all that? Yeah. Uh, who's the, the high kick champion of dealing with a broken treaty oh man
2: they just went up to them and be like i could kick you in the face yeah with two feet
1: with both of these feet
2: yeah so, that was their negotiating yeah. <laughs> skills <laughs> that may work now i, I think uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> high kicking might be the new president we'll just have a high kicking reality tv yeah high okay. kick. oh good lord all right leave me with something uh Hopeful, please <laughs> telling something. No, uh, well, let me let me ask you this: Can you um, do you know any of the native tongue? Do you can you speak? Um, what did you say your tribe was?
2: Um, I'm Yupik. Yupik. <clears throat> so you Yupik is Eskimo. Mm-hmm. So we're on the western coast. Um, in is also Eskimo. They're more on the northwest to northern coast. Athabascans in the interior, and then there's Alutic and Clinket and Haida and mm-hmm. there's tons of stuff which I'm probably missing.
0: That's fine.
1: <laughs> no <laughs> offense guys.
2: Um, so in Yupik back in the day in 4th and 5th grade we had Yupik for an hour each day. <laughs> oh, no. So uh, yes in Yupik is E. E. Um, one is a um, they have a fish ice cream with berries. That's called a gudak.
1: Wait, fish ice cream? It's with berries. So good. Is it smoked and then frozen? No. no.
2: So you use white fish uh-huh. and you boil it and then you flake it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have Crisco <laughs> and sugar and <laughs> yes. oil and you mix it up and then you put the fish in and then you put berries in and it's. Called Eskimo or Indian ice cream, but in Yupik it's a guduk. A guduk. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. I'm, you know, I'm grateful for the food you made us tonight, but I'm even mm-hmm. more grateful that they weren't fish cupcakes. I
2: have a guduk in my freezer. Do you could really? try a bite.
1: Holy crap. I do. I want to try it. <laughs> That's amazing. It's
2: amazing. A Um, so cool. Thank you, is Guyana.
1: Guyana. Okay.
2: Um. Hello is waka,
1: waka. Mm-hmm. That is the greatest hello
2: of <laughs> any language. Waka. Do you have to say it like that? Like waka, waka. yeah. That's great. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just be like waka. Yeah, you you can't say it yeah, like that.
1: Like you're greeting somebody in Applebee's. Waka.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I remember? Uh, poop is anuk. Oh,
1: that is exactly what I wanted to know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you listened to this show before? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs>
2: that's
1: fantastic. I think that's a good place to end it. We're Kay. gonna end on, so We'll
2: end it with Anuk. <laughs> yeah.
1: How do you say thank you? Guyana. Guyana Anuk.
2: <laughs>
1: Cheers. Thank you so much.
2: No problem.
3: Listening to the Monkey Tooth podcast. If you haven't already, or it's been a while, check out our website, mtp.dog. There's plenty of information there. An About tab with a little bio on Andrew, myself, and our dog Pele. There's also a Van Build tab detailing how we did our van conversion. A Journal tab, and we, as an Andrew, are doing our best to keep that up to date. And last but not least, a Contact tab where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all.